new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFPE.com. I do not want to make a big deal out of this, but I would say this is significant news, not sports news, but significant news because I don't think this has ever happened in the history of our republic. But according to CNN, the FBI has executed a search warrant at Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. That is, that is news that I don't think has ever come out of anybody's mouth that the FBI has raided the home or has gone into the home of a former president. Just going to leave it at that. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Okay, let's go out to the hotline. We're going to bring in our friend Cody Rourke, covers the Broncos for MileHighSports.com. And no, Cody, I'm not going to lead with the, the breaking news that we just had. Are you cool with that? Yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, just checking. Uh, so practice today. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said the offense was better today following a day off than it was the last time it followed a day off. Um, overall, how do you think this offense has looked in terms of improvement? And the and I'll make it a two-part question. Um, I know it's a new offense. It's a new offensive you know, set of coaches, a new quarterback. Do you think this defense is good enough right now to make them look not as good? Uh, I would say it's a little bit of both, too. And there was, a, there was an article that came out that said Russell Wilson has looked underwhelming. I personally haven't seen that. I don't know what, uh, you know, whoever wrote that is watching. You know, makes sense because they've only been there two days out of the 11 days that I've been there. But anyways, uh, you know, the defense <laughs> is, is far much more ahead, Eric, than the offense, and rightfully so. The, the defense is the same from last year, and a lot of these guys are still in the same position. They were in last year minus, you know, Jonas Griffith there, who's gotten a little bit more comfortable, and, you know, minus new guys like Deshaun Williams taking over a defensive end. I, I just think that the offense, for them, they've been going through the install period, and they've been trying to figure out what works for them and how they could continue to stack on that. Uh, and, but the offense has looked good. I mean, there's been pieces where the offense has looked good, where the offense has made plays. I mean, heck, Portland Sutton ended practice with a beautiful 50-50 ball over the top of Ronald Darby, but early on in practice, Russell Wilson hit Albert Okwebunam right up the middle seam, uh, probably about 15 yards depth, and he would have ran it in for a touchdown. That's what I'm excited about seeing. The Broncos are testing the ball downfield. Now, granted, it was shells today, so you didn't really get to see much out of the running game, and, and a lot of things are, are run-throughs or run-bys by the defense anyway. So uh, it's really hard to fully tell what the big picture is on this Broncos offense. But you know what? They look a lot better than they did this time of year at training camp, especially at quarterback. Cowboys are coming in Thursday. Why are they only going at them in practice in a joint practice for one day, only one day? Uh, you know, I I think when you evaluate that, it's going to be exciting because you know if you're playing defense, you've seen a lot of the formations that the Broncos' offense is throwing at you, so you may be able to guess what certain plays are. 
Now you're throwing in a brand new wrinkle with a brand new team that you haven't really seen any looks for. You haven't prepared for these guys. It's just going to be able to go back, play your assignment, play your technique, and that's what Ajiro Evro had said to me, especially in the preseason game, what he's looking for. He just wants to see guys execute. It's not so much about scheme. It's about executing what they call and how they've been going about things and seeing if you can rise up to the challenge. It's going to be that way on Thursday's practice, which you know hopefully you can avoid some of the chippiness that goes on with some of that. You want to avoid guys getting hurt, obviously, ahead of the preseason game. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think it'll be different, and it'll be a good test for the Broncos, and also be good for the Cowboys to see a different look as well. But it's usually multiple days, two, maybe two full days of joint practices, hard practices. Yeah. Why, yeah. why aren't yeah. they doing that? Why are they only doing one? I think with the Vikings last year, they did more than one day. They've always, um, they've always done more than yeah. one. This is the first time I don't think there has been. Yeah, part of me, I'm wondering if it has anything to do with the CBA. I'm not quite sure if that's the case. It could have something to do with it. Um, but outside of that, I just think that heading into it, the Broncos decided not to have a stadium scrimmage this year, or, you know, like an inter-squad scrimmage. So now you know, they want to do the one training camp practice. Uh, but I think it was a mutual decision by the Broncos and the Cowboys to get one day in and then to get ready for Saturday's game. Very interesting at this point that, the preseason matchup or the, the inter-squad scrimmage that you've been seeing between these guys that you're going to see on Thursday is happening as late as it is. Usually you think it's early on in the week leading up to the first preseason game, not just two days before it. We're talking with Cody Work, our Broncos insider. You can catch all of his terrific work on milehighsports.com. Justin Outen made news today. Rarely do the coordinators make news, but he did. Uh, Terry asked Outen today about, you know, the, the amount of reps that whether it's going to be for – Javante Williams or for uh, Melvin Gordon. And Allen said there's going to be a pitch count. I know there are a lot of people that want to see, you know, Williams get at least 60, 65% of the carries. Um, are you surprised that Outen said, hey, there's going to be a pitch count for these guys? Yeah, not really. And the reason I say that, pitch count, I think, is just another way for them to say it's probably going to be a shared, bat, you know, shared workload with the running backs. And you know what? They might even add. Uh, Mike Boone into the mix, who's been looking pretty well so far as the running back three. Yeah, he made, a, a, he made a point of mentioning him. So, yeah. I mean, I think that each guy offers something. I think Javante's going to be a little bit more involved in the passing game this year. But when you look at Melvin, you look at Boone, those guys are already established as receivers out of the backfield. Javante has not yet been established as that guy. He did have a receiving touchdown today, though, in the red zone period. So I imagine, hey, if you can split up the workload between three guys and you think that you can execute well offensively, I like it because you're preserving bodies along the way, but it also increases your opportunities to be efficient with your rushing attack and open things up a little bit more in the passing game. By the way, let's not fall into the trap that pitch count means 50-50. For all we know, out means he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want Williams to do, do any more than 25 carries a game. He doesn't want yeah. Melvin to have any more than 15 carries a game. So it, when, when I asked you that question, as it was coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, l l let's not believe that he means 50-50. Because honestly, I think, and you and I talked about this, uh, was last week. Right now, I think Melvin Gordon is a better fit because of his vision for zone blocking. But Javante Williams, if his vision has picked up, then he's going to be a terrific option as well with his ability to break tackles. And I don't know. I don't know how closely, let me ask you this. I don't know how closely you're able to watch this because guys aren't being hit, right? There's yeah. not, it's not really full contact. Is there anything, because I can't glean it, because I don't have that eye. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Your eye is better than mine. That's why you're on the show as a guest, and I'm asking you the questions. Have you seen anything that makes you believe that Williams, 
vision has gotten better? I've seen various instances of it, and I'll even say there was one play today, and I don't necessarily know how it necessarily translates in the game because, as you mentioned, you're not going to the ground. There's not as much contact. You're not trying to go like guy like in a in a season. Tacklers are going to try to go at Javante's legs. You're not going to see that in training camp, so it's really hard to simulate. But there was one play where Javante had bounced the run to the outside, and all of a sudden defense flew there. He he took a couple of pivot steps and cut back wide all the way to the other side and got a big gain up the left sideline. I, you know, I like that. You know, when a play is flowing to the outside and your windows aren't there, sometimes your coach hit the hole and try to get as much positive yards as possible. But for him, we saw him actually put his feet in the dirt, make a pivot step, and get more positive yards by bouncing back the other way, not even running into any contact, by the way. This was an elusive thing that we saw from Javante, which I don't know if we've seen too much of that. There was one play last year against the Chargers as a receiver where he had an elusive play being able to get up the right sideline for a 44-yard rumble. Uh, but outside of that, I haven't necessarily seen that from Javante as a rusher, so maybe they are sprinkling in uh, some more wide plays for him this upcoming season to see if he can utilize a little bit of that physical burst that he does have to get to the next level. So uh, what do you think of Lee the first time we see in, see the, the new ownership group in public talking about the Broncos? I imagine we'll probably have uh, maybe a press conference on Wednesday is something I'm estimating. I know that'll be a big topic of discussion because the votes will uh, take place tomorrow. It is expected to pass you know you only need 24 out of 32 votes but it is expected to pass fully for uh you know walton and penner to take over ownership of the broncos and i think that we will get the introduction on wednesday which will be a big big thing but as you mentioned i know you asked nathaniel hackett about that today at the press conference you know it's the end of the pat bowen era and he was reflective on what that's meant for the broncos and maybe how it'll adjust and what he's excited about with the new ownership group that will be taking over they're going to have their fingerprints on the Broncos, and I imagine a lot of resources will be exhausted to help the Broncos achieve whatever they you know, set their mind to. So a definitely interesting perspective on that. Cody, we'll see how to practice tomorrow. Popping pads, right? Popping pads, baby. Absolutely. I think Wednesday will be a jog through, and then Thursday will be fully padded against the Cowboys, which will be good. So tomorrow, you know what? A little bit more contact, ramping things up. By the way, did I see you put on Twitter you're looking for somebody to give you more tattoos? <laughs> Absolutely. Did you really? I mean, I, how old are you again? I know you're young enough to be my son. Can I give you some fatherly advice? When you're like eight, you, when you're eighty, you're not going to want that. You're not going to want to look like Chris Birdman Anderson. You well, got I'm enough, and they look great. When, <laughs> I'm hoping I'm not around when I'm eighty. I just want to, you know, live a good life and you know, go off peacefully on my own terms. So I'll be good. Are you going to go, Mike? Are you going to go, Mike Tyson? And starts running up your face. What are you going to do? No. What do you want to get not. done? What do you want to get done? Just, just limiting it on the arm only, so nothing nothing outside of the arm. Uh, you know, I was thinking about a tribute to my brother that passed away, kind of something somatic yeah. in, in that sense. So uh, nothing too crazy, definitely nothing I wouldn't want on my body, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the right arm is, is due for some ink. I tell you what, I'll give you 50 bucks if you uh, just put my initials anywhere. I mean, while you're, si- while you're sitting in the chair, <laughs> while, you're sitting, while you're there, you might as well get it done. E.G., does that work for you? Hey, you know what? We might do some invisible ink. No, no, no. Do the right. You're already in the chair. What's the difference? It's not like you yeah. have to make an appointment. You're already there to, to do something. What's a couple extra minutes? You know, I don't know. I don't know if 50 bucks is worth the price point there. But you know what? How much is it going to cost to do it? How much is it going to cost to do it? Uh, you know, like I said, you know, days or every day, you know, you bring me Dutch Bros coffee, I'll be a happy guy. No, no. How much does it cost <laughs> to actually put an EG in your arm? 
<sighs> Probably like 25 bucks. So, oh, I, so, if anything, so if anything, I'm doubling the money. What's wrong with 50 bucks? I think it's the, the long-term return on investment. I think that's really it. What's the investment? I'm, I, I just doubled my money for you. Apparently, well, you don't yeah. like me enough. That's cool. Uh, no, I, now I know where I stand. You're not willing to put a tattoo of my initials on your arm. Now I know where I stand. Now I know where our relationship is. It's all <laughs> yeah, about money to you. You're like an athlete. It's all about money to you. Amen. All right, whatever, buddy. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. All right, sounds good, Jim. All right, Thank peace you. out. All right. Coming up after the break, D'Angelo Hall, NFL.com, wrote an article titled, Defensive Backs Poised to Have a Breakout Season in Their Second Year. You know Pat Sertan was going to be on the list, but what did Hall write? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Windfall Brewing Company in the Orchard Town Center. They have something for everyone, 17 craft brews on tap. Their menu is outstanding. This is not bar food. I'm not going to even call it upscale bar food. This is a four- to five-star menu because of their executive chef. Used to be the sous chef at Shanahan's. Now he's their executive chef. I don't even need to go through the menu. You know it's great because this is the type of great meal that you would expect. And oh, by the way, your kids are going to love going there too. I mean, food might be a little too nice for them, but that's okay because they can, I don't know, play one of the pinball machines there. They have 23 there. Pac-Man, Golden Tea. So this place has something for everyone on Saturday nights, 6 until 8. They have live music right off of their patio. Go, Go check out Windfall Brewing Company in the Orchard Town Center. You're going to love it. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. NFL.com's D'Angelo Hall, former uh, football player, wrote an article titled, Defensive Backs Poised to Have a Breakout Season in Year Two. Not surprisingly, Pat Sertan was in the story. He wrote, Sertan was so impressive statistically in 2021, allowing the second lowest passer rating in coverage among 42 players with at least 75 targets in coverage. That's per pro football focus. Only J.C. Jackson, who signed a huge deal with the Chargers this offseason, outperformed Sertan in that metric. I can't wait to watch this guy take on Devontae Adams twice a year. Set your alarms because this matchup will be must-see TV beginning with their first meeting in week four. Let's just start it with this. Who's going to get the better of whom? Is it going to be Devontae Adams schooling the second-year guy, or do you think Sertan can hang? I think it'll be one of those where it's in the middle ground where you could debate either side. He'll get, he'll get a big play against the Broncos, but Sertan will have a good game. Yeah. Okay, with that... When the when the draft happened a couple of years ago, and I know you and I have talked about it briefly, 
Were you in the camp of Broncos have to take a quarterback? No. Fields? So it really didn't matter to you. So I'm guessing you had no problems with them taking Sertan well, over Fields or Mac Jones. I'll be blunt about it. I was wary about taking a quarterback at nine only because after after Lawrence, Wilson, and Lance had gone in the first three picks, I sat, sat and thought back to all the drafts I've covered with the washout quarterbacks. Right. And to have four quarterbacks in the first nine picks to me would have been unfathomable. And so I wasn't so much saying, God, they got to take Pat Sertan. He's a great player. I was saying they can't, they should not take a quarterback there. Well, here's the thing. To me, if you look at the history, it's not about the order. It's just, do you get the right one? Yeah. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, well, even Mac Josh Jones Allen. now. Even Mac Jones now. Right, right. And there, I don't know how many quarterbacks are taken. You just got to get the right guy, right? Not, and, jo- not Josh Rosen, not Tim Couch. That's right. Not Akili Smith. Right. Well, I mean, you look at Dan Marino, who drafted at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say he was better than Todd, Todd Blackledge and Kenny O'Brien in the 1983 draft. Who were draft. decent. That's my point. Yeah. So you just have to get the right guy with that. With that. And, and listen... At the end of the day, I wasn't a Justin Fields fan. When I did the show with Andrew, he was. I wasn't. The Bears are such a dysfunctional organization. They could take the greatest quarterback to ever come out of the out of the draft and find a way to screw him up. Trubisky? Well, Trubisky isn't doing himself a lot of favors with Pittsburgh either. No. So if he was really that good, he would be grabbing that job by the throat. It's fair to say they picked the wrong guy because... You know, Patrick Mahomes came out in that draft, and then you have a guy who's really talented, but he likes a lot of massage. Well, they also had to work real hard, move a lot of mountains to get that pick. What's up? To take Trubisky. They oh, had to yeah. Make a huge Gave up trade. a ton. Right, right. So not only was it a dumb pick, it, right. was, it was dumb the way they acquired the pick. Is there, I love the Sertan pick. I felt he was going to be really good. I liked him at Alabama. I am not a talent evaluator. I'd be lying if I said, you know, I saw things with that guy in his fluid hips that I really thought that <laughs> he was going to be a great player. I saw him enough to say this guy can play. Read enough about him to say this guy can play. Some people felt he was the safest cornerback in the draft. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, he's got unbelievable skills and an unbelievable football IQ. With that, is there anybody you would have taken instead of Sertan I don't think after so. nine? No, I don't think so. You're looking for a linebacker? Here is my problem with Micah. First of all, Micah Parsons is a better football player than Pat Sertan. You think so? He is a every... Well, here, I'll put it to you this way. Pat Sertan is a great cornerback. Yeah. You're, now you're taking positional bias. Micah Parsons is a game wrecker. Mm-hmm. He just is. Everybody knew he had the talent. It's just the stories coming out of Penn State about him mm-hmm. were so scary that it scared teams away. Yeah. You could have made the case he should have been the first player taken in the draft. He was the most talented guy in that draft. He was the most talented guy in the more talented than Trevor Long. Yes, he was certainly talked up. He his his physical gifts are ridiculous. But as a human being, the stories that I heard and the things that he did. Everybody else knew those stories, too, and that's why he slipped to 10. But he absolutely had number one pick overall talent. But now that I've watched him with the Cowboys, he confirmed everything that I saw on tape at Penn State, confirmed what everybody else saw, but he has kept his nose clean. Make sense? Yeah. He hasn't gotten in trouble yet. 
So if he finds a way to stay out of trouble, he will be the best player to come out of this draft. I have no doubt. He will be the best because he is the most talented player to come out of this draft. Mm-hmm. Why do you disagree? No, I don't. So I, I realize that that was a very that would have been a very justifiable pick, but you would have been crossing your fingers. There's no it, listen. That, that's why you had guys like Brandon Marshall, the wide receiver, who was at camp the other day. That's why he fell in the draft. That's why Vontez Burfick fell in the draft. You have guys with character issues yeah. that fall in the draft. I'm not talking about smoking a little weed like Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> I'm talking about guys who have serious character issues. Micah Parsons is red flags all across the all across the place. I am guessing there are teams that took him off their board. That's how risky of a pick it was. But Pat Sertan, I think this guy will be an if he plays ten years, ten more years, he goes to the Pro Bowl eight times. Mm-hmm. That's how much I think of Micah Parsons as a talent. Yeah. Pat Sertan is going to be a multiple all-pro, pro bowler, ring of famer one day. He is that type of guy. And Micah Parsons will be better if he stays out of trouble. I'm not worried about Pat Sertan getting in trouble. Are you looking? Are you thinking also he would have been more valuable here as a linebacker than Sertan would be as, as a cornerback? Well, you pair him with Josie Jewell, and you certainly have a guy who can not only tackle, but then you have a guy who can cover anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's fast enough to cover wide receivers, but tight ends aren't a problem for him. You're going to be watching him in the Thursday and Saturday? Get the kid's a monster, but he's not going to really be allowed to hit. No. Which is good, because you don't want to get hit by this guy. <laughs> he is an absolute monster out there. And Pat Sertan, I think, has absolute ring of fame talent, and especially with the way people talk about him as well. Just how good he is his, in terms of his execution and his footwork. And so it's, it's hard to argue with then with the Broncos taking Sertan at nine, realizing realizing the the risk at the others. I mean, just because, here, let's put something in perspective. Because Parsons would have been a risk. There's no question. At the end of the day, okay, there's always going to be someone who is the best player taken out of a draft. Would Mm -hmm. you agree? Yeah. And it's not not a knock to say, well, this guy was the second best player to Mm -hmm. be taken out of that particular draft. For all the players that are taken... If you are the second best guy, that that's still you know a, a pr- pretty high compliment. So looking at the guys who were taken, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence would be the best player coming out of this draft. Zach Wilson doesn't look to be the guy. Kyle Pitts is a stud, right? <laughs> right now, here, Danny, I'll ask you: Who would you rather have, Jamar Chase or Micah Parsons? Ooh, that's right? tough. Yeah, and, and we're tough. we're saying I like and, Micah Parsons a lot. He, here's the thing. So people think that I'm taking digs at Pat Sertan. I'm not. But right now, he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Micah Parsons. And he's unbelievable. And he may not even be Kyle Pitts. Right? He may not even be Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I like Pat Sertan a lot too, but those guys are uh, definitely top of their class. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Jalen Waddle hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet, and you know he's going to. And Penny Sewell's going to make a Pro Bowl, and you know he's going to. You know, who's the best player in this draft? Think about this for a second. Von Miller's draft. First first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's see who else is in that uh, draft class. So you want to just say not knowing the draft class, he's the best player, won two Super Bowls. He's going to go down as one of the all-time sack leaders. He's the best player in a draft that you're not even familiar with? Go ahead. Are you familiar with the draft? Yes. Okay. 
So is he better than, is his career going to be better than A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, J.J. Watt? I'm not so sure. No. Right? Not sure either. So there's nothing wrong with being the second or third or fourth best guy no. in a draft. I would take Parsons, too. But the thing with Parsons is that two more teams passed on him after the Broncos did. Teams took him off the board. Philadelphia and Chicago. And I think certainly I, I would have been able to recognize. I wouldn't have taken Justin Fields there. I would, I would have taken Parsons. Well, they needed a quarterback, but so did the Broncos in theory. Mm-hmm. Teams did not want it. The Bears did what desperate teams do. They took a quarterback. The way, the way, George Payton remained patient, and it paid off. Honestly, I'm not questioning you, but I, I'm almost surprised Parsons went as high as 12, given that dirty laundry out there. Well, look who he got drafted by. Who took him? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. He doesn't care about that stuff. Think about everything that was said about, um, who was it? Des Bryant. When Des Bryant was taken out of the draft, right? He had some issues. Dallas took him. They had no problems doing that. I really wish Dallas would have traded up a little bit more to get Paxton Lynch, but they didn't. <laughs> they were talking John about John Elway it. did that instead. Des Bryant was taken by the Cowboys, right? Same draft as Demarius Thomas, right? Yeah. But he had problems. Jerry Jones has no problems taking guys with problems because he's got plenty of his own. He doesn't know how to run a <laughs> he team. He wants companies, what you're saying? He doesn't know how to run a team. Coming up after the break, Nazem Kadri is back in the news. If you haven't heard... Wait until you hear what he is reportedly asking for. It's unbelievable. It's breathtaking. That's nice. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. SmileEyesports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. New York Post is reporting Nazem Kadri, still unsigned, by the way, is looking for $9 million a season. And I've been told separately uh, from another source who has knowledge of Kadri's situation, he wants a seven-year deal to boot. So uh, just adding up the numbers, doing a little multiplication, <laughs> he wants a seven-year deal for $63 million. When you heard that, what was the first thing that crossed your mind? He's probably gotten some bad advice. His agent is Darren Ferris. I don't know if it's from him or somebody in his life to, this is the time you can make, this is the last big contract. This is where you make your money for the rest of your career. And he would probably went along with this and he hasn't stepped in and said, hold it. But it looks to me like the Islanders are very center heavy. They're trying to create room for him with a couple of trades of either Matthew Barzal or Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And so they, I think they're looking at him. I think the Avalanche are still just kind of sitting there saying, if we have to clear space, well, we've tried. We haven't been able to do it yet, but we're, we're, we'll continue to look at it. 
and see how much he sweats. When I saw these numbers and I heard the length that he wanted, you know the first thing that crossed my mind? No. Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you borderline? But, no, but, hold on. Let me finish. Are you borderline stupid? No, seriously. Are you borderline stupid that you are overvaluing and overplaying your hand like this? But now, now here, in the same breath, the Islanders are just as dumb <laughs> if they want to give them the money. They will be a perfect partnership. You have a guy who's what, going to be 33 or he is 33? He's 32. So he wants a seven-year deal, and he's going to be paid basically till he's 40, and they're going to have a guy who has never even come close to a point per game in his whole career, he's never been close. Never been close. And he has a great year playing on a power play with McKinnon and Ranton and Landeskog. And then, because of some injuries, he had a chance to play with Landeskog and Chuchkin and McKinnon and Ranton, playing with a lot of talent. His points are inflated. He's a great story, and you're really going to pay this guy this money? you got to be some kind of dumb okay, he, to pay that type of money for a guy who's never been a number one center coming off of one good year. He's asking for $9 million per for seven seasons. He's asking for it. It doesn't mean they have to give it to him. It doesn't mean he can't come down off that number. That's the starting point. That's an insulting offer to any team that you're even approaching or they're approaching. No, I don't think so. I think they get it in hockey. You ask for the moon and settle for something else. Um, I don't think it's all that. I think it's I don't a, think it's all that uh, um, galling to have him say that. First, so at least say that. Both numbers are outrageous. But both. We, both. Now, if you said to me, oh, the 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 one one of those two numbers is much more outrageous to me. Well, well, actually. Both are incredibly the, se- the seven That's seasons is outrageous. Right. You think he's worth nine million? No, I don't. I don't either. But how about, I, a, how about that's a, a starting point for negotiation? I understand that, but you know what? I've negotiated plenty of contracts, specifically when it comes to real estate. Uh-huh. And you basically let's say let's say you feel your house is worth <laughs> no, seriously. Let's say you think your house is worth five hundred thousand dollars. You don't or you, you don't price it or let's say you think your house is yeah, okay. Your house is worth five hundred thousand dollars. You don't price it at six. Why not? If somebody, it, if somebody pays pays it. Because it's an out it's an outrageous way to negotiate. Seven years? Are you effing nuts? Seven years? You don't start there. But he's gonna come down from that. You don't start there if you're if you're a serious negotiator, you don't start there. I'm then why didn't he go ten years? How about fifteen? <laughs> maybe maybe we'll play as long as Gordy Howe. That's my point. So, so what is too high? I'm not defending those numbers. I'm just saying he has the right. No, he has the right and prerogative to ask for that as a starting point in negotiation. He has a right to ask for 15 million, but you don't. And for a guy of his skill and his history, I'm agreeing with you more than I'm disagreeing. Oh, with I know. You. I'm just saying that this is a starting point. I was flabbergasted because th- this is foolish, crazy, and dumb. I understand you start a negotiation begins. You you give a kind of crazy offer, and they give kind of. And then you meet. Them. I get it. How about comps? There is no comp for Kadri. None. There's probably there's no comp for Kadri. None. Isn't there somebody out there who's who's uh, had similar career and statistics? There isn't one guy out there who's 32, 33 years old, and I who's looked. been marginal and had one great year, and then asked for a seven year deal. For nine well, you know, at one point we were talking about this, and I said, 
I said, I think the one thing people are underestimating, and I still believe this, is the idea that he cleaned up his, quote, image. This isn't about image. This is about talent. Completely cleaned up his image. With not about that season. for me. It's not about that. I think that. there's still still some lingering resentment for the way he plays and and for him around the league. And that doesn't mean he's he's a great guy. If you get to know him, well, sure I, I can't say I got to know him. It, but I've been around him enough to realize he's a great guy. His teammates love him. All of that. Oh, that's great. Okay. He's, but, I, but I'm saying he hasn't he hasn't so cleaned up his image that everybody around the league has bought completely bought into all that argument. His ask is outrageous. If I'm Joe Sackick, I wouldn't have even entertained anything else. I would have said, "Go." Oh, well, that. he might not have. I, I hope he didn't. Usually, I'm on the side of the player on this. Usually, mm-hmm. but again, for a guy who has been playing in the league. Okay, for all the years that he has, and he finally had one good season. Asking for those type of numbers is over a point a game. What if he ends up settling for Landeskog type money though? Settling seven million dollars. How many years does he want? Oh, well, I would say four or five. Oh yeah, I would sign him for that all day. All day. Even if he's that kind of marginal player. You're describing? I didn't say. I just no, no. He fits this team well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do with the Islanders. He's not playing with Rantanen on the power play. No. He's not playing with Landeskog, Nachuchkin. He's not playing with McKinnon. He's not playing with Makar. Have at it, pal. Go be a number one center. You've never done it in your career before. You finally had one good season. You're near not necessarily retirement age. You have one contract left, and you have the chutzpah to ask for that? <laughs> Seriously. We'll see how good he is. We'll see how good he is. Where do you think he's going to end up? I don't know, because that, that, that offer is so, I'm telling you, I think this offer is so, this proposal is so outrageous. It is so far out of the ballpark what he should be offering. And I'm sure he's a good guy and he was the heartbeat of this team in some ways. And he overcame, you know, the broken thumb. I get that. What happened in St. Louis. Are you effing kidding me? Seven years for a 32-year-old You can ask guy? for anything. Nine million where are you coming from? What planet do you live on? You had one good year. But well, we found that they aren't meeting that. They're not meeting that demand. And so it was, it's a flawed strategy. But he had every right to seek it. He also had every right to seek $12 million a year and yes, a $9 million dollar yes, contract. He, he just didn't go any. Yes, Still, that's outrageous. I hope nobody signs him. And he has to come crawling back to the abs. It might happen. You know what I would give if I if I was to give out a contract, I would give out to him. I'd feel comfortable. Four years, seven and a half. That's worth it. Three million. What's that? Thirty million. Yep, that's worth it to me. If you have the money to do it. I don't know if they do. My my gut feeling nine my, million. My gut feeling seven my, years for a thirty two year old guy? Are you crazy? What do we have well, he's, he's actually thirty one. I I misspoke. He's 31. He's 31. So that makes that changes everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when the season starts, he basically will start on the opener. Uh, his birthday is October 6th. October 6th. 6th yes. October 6th. So he will be 32 when the season starts. That's right. So he'll play till he's 39. Yeah. How many guys are playing till their 39th birthday? Gordy Howe and who else? Oh, there's, a, there's been some. Sorry, Yaramir Yager. Yaramir Yager played that long? Yaramir Yager's. I like, thought he re- he retired after 13 years. He's like 52. He's still playing. I mean, the NHL. Yeah. What do we have coming up on uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? College fan bases love to claim that their school is 
Insert Position Group University. We'll talk about uh, where ESPN ranked those schools and who actually is QBU, running back U, wide receiver U, etc. On the other side, right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products, Twitter feed at tfry, at Eric Goodman. You're looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at argonautliquor.com. Just in case you missed it, ESPN's David Hale collaborated with the ESPN Stats and Information Department to determine which schools produce the most talent at each position. They did this since the BCS era. Seemed like a natural cutting off point for them. That was 1998. And it's the last school the player played for through their first four seasons in the NFL. So for quarterback university, Oklahoma, RBU, Alabama, Wide receiver U, USC. Tight end U, Miami. O-line U, Alabama. Understandably, any big surprises in those offensive positions? Is this overall or is this over the last 10 years? This is since 1998. Oh. Uh, who, who is a tight end again? Miami. Hmm. I, I don't know. Who, who are their tight ends? Do they list them? Uh, it doesn't list all of them. Yeah. Um, but I think they've had some pretty... Pretty big ones. Uh, are you thinking of recent years when Iowa has uh, yeah. definitely gotten up there? Yeah, well, Iowa was number two. Yeah, well, the jury's out on Fan Hockenstein, but uh, I know George Kittle's pretty good. Yeah, it's got uh, from the Canes, Bubba Franks, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, Greg Olson, and David Njoku. How do you keep track of Oklahoma's quarterbacks with all the transfers? It was the most, the last school that the players played for. Oh, because yeah. Trikman's out of that equation because he finished at UCLA. <laughs> and he was before 98. Right. Um, so it would be. Who are yeah, those Oklahoma so, quarterbacks? So those Oklahoma they, quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Um, those are the first two that pop into mind, but I'm sure there are a couple yeah. other ones farther I back. I don't remember a lot of great Oklahoma quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you? No. Yeah. I don't at all, actually. All right. Do you think USC, when you think of quarterbacks in the NFL? I think of great college quarterbacks. I think of bad pro quarterbacks. Matt Liner was a bust. Carson (laughs) Palmer was up and down. He certainly had talent. Uh, Barkley, nothing. Um, Who else came out of USC? Oh, um, what? Marinovich came out of USC. So it's a lot of guys who had high hopes but didn't do well. Back in the day, Miami had a bunch of great quarterbacks come out. Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, 
you know, Gina Toretto wasn't much of a pro. Dorsey wasn't much of a pro. So, I mean, you have to look at top quarterbacks and, you know, find a commonality. Looking at looking at the defensive side of the ball, D-line you, Alabama. Yes. Linebacker you, Georgia. And defensive back you, Ohio State. The one on Ohio State for the defensive backs is spot on. Yeah, and they LSU a, is, is pretty close, but I think they're a one-two for sure. Ohio State is a machine when it comes to producing defensive backs. Absolutely. Every year you're watching like the college football playoff, and they're saying this guy's going to go in the top five, this guy's going to go. Who'd they yep. have for wide receivers again? Wide receiver U was USC. Wow, what Mike Williams? Uh, are they including Keisha? Are they going back to Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson? Johnson? I don't know about that. That would have been mid nineties. Who, who did they? Who did they have as wide receivers that came up? Uh, recently, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Michael Pittman, yep. Drake London, who yep. is expected to be yep. very good. Yes, I agree. Um, and then, yeah, they're that's Here. that's the only ones they listed. They'll have Brendan Rice next too. So what, how far so. does this go back? Back to 1998. Back to 1998. I can tell you two wide receivers that are probably better than any, 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 anyone who's come out of USC. And by the way, they had Reggie Bush. Well, maybe they didn't have Reggie Bush. He was a running back. I'll give you two wide receivers from the same school that isn't even known for offense. And those two wide receivers are better than anything USC has produced. Megatron and Demarius Thomas out of Georgia oh, Tech. I'll take those two guys, specifically Megatron. That's a great point. Yep, and then you have Demarius. But you'd really have to go through roster. What's the next thing we got? Just in case you missed it, Kevin Durant met with Nets owner Joe Tsai to reiterate his trade request and present an ultimatum. Said you can keep me or you can keep GM Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash. Does this news from Shams Charania change how other NBA teams might view making an offer for KD or... Does it change the Nets' approach to uh, the trade request? I think they knew that all along, the, the, the uh, uncomfortableness and the uncertainty there. So I'm sure they're not shocked by this. I really doubt it'll change anything. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. How's that? Is that a nice way to end a Monday? I'll yeah. agree. I'll agree with you. That sounds good. Okay. All right. Let's try that more often. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Uh, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed Argonaut, always has great specials going on. You're going to love this if you love wine, baubles, and box wine sale. 15% off. Argonaut delivers, and they deliver all over the metro area, and every delivery over 100 bucks is free. CY Westward, named the best liquor store in Denver, five years running. Find them on Colfax or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Nolan, Danny, great job today. Same with you, Terry. I'll agree with you. Make it the best possible night.